and a warm welcome to this uh, service this morning, the service of remembrance uh, this morning. And uh, those who are visiting, uh, it's good to see a couple anyway, and uh, you're very welcome. It's good to see you this morning. Just a few uh, portions of scripture as we come up to 11 o'clock when we remember uh, those who've given their lives in past years. John chapter 14, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Isaiah 40, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar like wing- on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Will the congregation uh, please stand as we observe two minutes of silence? As we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. Please please take a seat and let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you that we are able to come into your presence to seek to draw near to you in worship. We thank you for the psalm that we have sung which reminds us so powerfully of the fact that you are our God, you are the one who is on our side. We thank you that you are the the God who has helped us in ages past, the one who is our hope for years to come. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, the the memories that, uh, that we hold today. We thank you for the lives of those that we have remembered in, in that silence. And we are conscious that uh, some are able to remember faces and able to remember conversations with those who went to war and did not return, others who gave their lives and, and did return and have since passed on from time into eternity. And we think of some who remain, we think of, of Donald, especially on Scott Road, as he remembers all that he went through over the years of war. For so many of us, it seems so far removed from where we are, so hard for us to to be able to imagine. And yet we are thankful for all those who gave of themselves so selflessly. We're thankful for uh, all those who who laid down their lives and in service, some who paid the ultimate price so that we can enjoy peace and freedom, so that we can come together and worship uh, and the way that we do even this day. So we will remember them. We thank you, Lord, for these lives. And we we thank you for the way that they point us to to Jesus, your Son, our Saviour, who came from heaven to earth, knowing that he was coming to suffer, knowing that he was coming to lay down his life so that we who were enemies of God because of our sins, could have our sin taken away and be called friends of God. We thank you that Jesus laid down his life 
so that uh, we who had no rest and no peace innerly uh, are able to know that eternal rest and that eternal peace that comes from trusting in Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, for, for Jesus, and we pray that you would give us faith, each of us, to trust in him. We pray, Lord, for your comfort for those who grieve today. We pray for your presence to be with those who wrestle with difficult memories of past years. We ask, Lord, that you would strengthen them. We pray for those who are anxious today, who have loved ones in the armed forces in different places around this world. We ask, Lord, for your protection over them, and we pray for your presence to be with those who are, who are anxious about those that they love. We pray for army chaplains, uh, those who, who seek to come alongside uh, those who, who are in service to, to bring the hope of the gospel. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you would enable those that you have allowed to be in these positions to, to speak truth, to speak the gospel, to take the opportunities to point our young men and women to Christ. We pray for those that you have allowed to be in authority over us in politics and in positions of influence in the country and across the world. We pray for wisdom for them. We ask, Lord, that you would give to them uh, that wisdom that comes from heaven because we know that wisdom is not something that we can manufacture ourselves. So even if they will not ask for themselves, we ask for them. And ask, Lord, that you would grant wisdom to those in authority and we pray for peace. We pray that we would continue to know times of peace. We pray for our children. We pray for our grandchildren that they too would know times of peace. Peace in society and we pray, Lord, for the peace of the Lord Jesus to descend upon us and to abide with us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you know us. We thank you that you know us by name. We thank you that even before we came into this world, you knew us. We thank you this week for uh, Effie Grace, Cameron's little sister. We thank you that she came safely into this world and we pray for her as we pray for Donna and for John and for Cameron. We thank you, Lord, that before Effie Grace came into this world, you knew her and we pray your blessing on her. And for other babies that we haven't yet met, we pray for them too. We pray for Jane and we pray for Mahela as they carry children. We, uh, we pray for these wee ones. We ask, Lord, that you would protect them and that you would bless them. We pray for the, the wee ones in the creche today and for the boys and girls here who are going into Sunday school in just a minute. We thank you, Lord, that you know us by name and you want us to trust you so that we can know that peace that Jesus paid for with his life. We thank you for everyone else, for those who, who are middle-aged, for those who are old, for those who can't be here because they're, they're struggling with not enough strength and energy because the years are, are taking their toll. We thank you that you know each person, you know them by name, those in the building here, uh, those at home listening. And we ask, Lord, that you would draw near to them and draw near to us. And give us faith, we pray, that we would be trusting in Jesus. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's turn now to God's word. And we'll turn to Luke chapter 16. We've been going through Luke's gospel for 
uh, some months now. If you pick a text and you just you know, go from one end of the Bible to the other uh, week by week, then this is the kind of passage that probably you may never come to in your ministry. But when you're going through uh, a book, uh, chapter by chapter, uh, there are passages which are very encouraging uh, and reassuring, and there are passages which are really quite unsettling and uh, difficult to, to read. Um, but Jesus came to this world. He was full of grace and truth. And uh, we read the words of Jesus here as he has the Pharisees and his disciples gathered around him and he tells them uh, another story, a parable about the rich man and Lazarus. So let's uh, read these verses uh, from 19, verse 19 of Luke chapter 16. Jesus says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered then, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will nor also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. If you could turn uh, back now, please, to the, the passage that we read from uh, Luke chapter 16. And we'll just pray as we uh, return to it. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, these words were not crafted by, by men, but uh, these are words which the Holy Spirit used men to to write uh, their spirit-inspired words. And uh, we pray that you would help us to remember that as we, as we listen and as we think these passages through. We thank you that uh, we can go back in time 2,000 years and hear Jesus preach uh, as we have this chapter open in front of us. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, uh, give us eyes to see, give us hearts which are open to the truth of your word. We pray, Lord, that you would be with every other congregation uh, that, like us, gathers around your word at this time. We pray for congregations that we are connected with, 
uh, those who are visiting with us and uh, those who may be listening in at a distance. We ask, Lord, that every, every fellowship that we're connecting with, even at this time, that there would be your blessing upon. We pray for the congregations around us and the different denominations here and across the island and across the nation and across all nations, wherever uh, the word of God is, is opened, wherever Christ crucified and risen is preached, we pray, Lord, that you would be adding your blessing, that you would be building your church. Minister to us, Lord, we pray. Help us to feel our need of Jesus. Help us to see uh, our sin and uh, the, the need that we have for a saviour. And we ask, Lord, that you would help each of us, Lord, as we come before you now. You, have, you know us through and through. You know our needs. And uh, we pray uh, that you would minister to us. We pray again, Lord, for those who are grieving. We have thought about those who remember those who have passed from time to eternity a long time back, those who lived through war years. But we are conscious that there are those who have uh, suffered loss uh, in the last few days even within the fellowship, those who have lost a mother, those who have lost a sister. And so, Lord, we pray for, pray for the Morrison family, we pray for DJ and for Mary Catherine and for Margaret and for, for Eddie. And we pray, Lord, for uh, the, the wider family there as well. And we ask that your comfort would be upon them. And for Nanny, who, who uh, watched from a distance as her sister uh, was, uh, was laid to rest last Friday, we pray your comfort for her also. And for those, Lord, who still feel uh, the sting of grief, although the years may have passed since they have lost loved ones, we, we bring them to you. We carry them to you in prayer and ask that you would minister to them your comfort uh, and uh, your compassion. So, Lord, help us, we pray now, as we open your word. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the children uh, told us uh, already, and uh, we know, even from looking around at the poppies that uh, many of us are wearing, uh, that this is a Remembrance Sunday. It's a day where... Uh, across the nation there is that necessary call uh, to remember. We are people who are prone to forget and as time uh, rolls on we are more forgetful and so there's that necessary call for us today uh, to remember, to remember those who did not waste their lives, who did not live their, their lives in a, in a, a selfish way but we remember uh, those who were selfless in their living uh, and in their dying. And as we remember people like that, uh, we have a very stark contrast with the central character in this parable that uh, Jesus told. Uh, we see, we're introduced in this, in this parable to, to a rich man. And this rich man, he, he lived his life, but he, he wasted his life. He had, he had everything. And we'll see that as we, as we take a look at him. Uh, but he wasted his life on, on excessive wealth. He wasted his life on, on every luxury. Uh, we see here in, in this parable a selfish man. And his life is remembered. So today we, we remember selfless people. But as we come to this parable, we, we are drawn to look at this selfish character. We remember his life. 
And he's called to remember his life. Because if you, if you have the passage in front of you, uh, right in the center of this uh, little parable that Jesus tells, uh, you can underline the word, remember. The rich man from the depths of hell is called to remember the way that he lived. And so this man's life, this rich man's life, is remembered for, for all the, the, the wrong reasons. So let's take a, a look at this parable. That, that Jesus told. And uh, there's hopefully four points. The first point is uh, we see the routines of life. The routines of life. And right the way through the parable, we've got these two characters. And we'll be flicking between these two characters with the contrast. And there's, there, there's stark contrast between these two routines of life. And first of all, we're, we're drawn to look at the rich man. Verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen... And lived in luxury every day. So here we we see a rich man. And everyone knew he was rich because of the way that he dressed. He he dressed in purple, we're told in verse 19. And that was like the biblical equivalent of saying that he always wore the best designer gear. His clothes were always noticed. Uh, The purple dye uh, that was used to... Uh, for clothes in that in that age, it came from shellfish. It was it was massively difficult to extract uh, and and then used to to dye the the clothes. And so anybody that wore purple, everybody could see. This is a fabulously rich person. It could only be afforded by those who were the elite in economic terms. And uh, not only is he dressed in purple, but uh, he's dressed in fine linen. And that was usually imported from, from Egypt. It was, uh, it was again, the, the, the highest quality stuff. Again, it was only for the very, very rich. Most people had no such undergarments. Fine linen was not something uh, that they knew uh, that feeling of. But this man, on the outside, purple. And just a little under the surface, he, he's got this fine uh, linen that he's clothed with. And uh, it says that he lived in luxury every day so it's not like he he threw the occasional party just to to treat himself and a few of his friends no no every day was party day for this man every day was a, another day to to eat drink and be merry every morning he woke up with a sore head every morning he woke up uh, with a bloated belly and indigestion uh, we have this picture here of a, a crass self-indulgent lifestyle you know big mansion we know he had a big mansion because uh, Lazarus is outside his gate, uh, and the the word in the Greek used for gate is not about it's not a picture of a, of a garden gate hanging on a, a wooden post. This is an ornate, massive gate. So big mansion, you know, fast cars. Well, you know what I mean, fast cars, designer clothes, champagne and caviar. That 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 was the that was the norm for this man. That was the routine of life that he followed. So that's him, the rich man. And then we have Lazarus. It says at his gate, the rich man's ornate gate, uh, was laid a beggar. The word used in the Greek there uh, for laid is thrown. It was thrown down a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Although it seems that he never, he never did get the rich man's crumbs. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So for Lazarus, that's his routine. 
It's very different from the rich man. The rich man lacked nothing and wasted so much. Lazarus begged for anything, but he went hungry. The rich man appears to be healthy and wealthy and well cared for in his appearance. Lazarus is covered in sores. Uh, No one cares for him. He has no uh, Bupa health plan. The rich man is is celebrity is uh, he's he's surrounded by by celebrities uh, uh, he 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 lived in luxury every day every day was a feast day a party day uh, all the the VIPs of the day would gather at this man's house he's he's not short of company just like the prodigal son wasn't short of company when he had lots of cash Lazarus it seems only has dogs for company and so Jesus paints this picture here of extremes. Are two routines of life, two extremes. And that was the kind of thing that could be seen back then. It's not as if Jesus is taking some, some picture and, and he's, he's painting a picture that was absolutely alien to them. This was happening back then. And the Pharisees well knew it, they tasted it. And yet, this is the kind of thing that we can still see in our, our city streets today. You know, some people are, are, are walking along the, the streets. I'm thinking of Edinburgh in my mind. I haven't been there for a while. But you can see some people kind of coming out the doors of, of Jenner's in Edinburgh with uh, bags full of designer gear and fine food and fine wine. And there are other people just on the doorstep sleeping in cardboard boxes. And we, get, we kind of get numb to it if you're in Edinburgh often enough. You know, if you live in a city long enough, you don't even notice how many people are living in that kind of poverty and misery. We don't sort of notice the the extremes of the different routines in life. And yet I think one of the applications here is that Jesus notices what we don't notice. Jesus sees the people that we over time start to overlook. Jesus cares uh, for those who are suffering. He doesn't just step over us. He doesn't leave us to suffer alone. Jesus came from heaven uh, to earth to be with us when we suffer. You know, we, we read that, uh, uh, or we were going to read that in Isaiah. Listen to the verses again. Fear not, says the Lord, uh, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And that was something that the people experienced in some measure in Isaiah's day. But that was something that was seen much more clearly when the Savior Jesus came into this world. He was the man of sorrows. He suffered with those who suffer. He wept with those who weep. In fact, Jesus uh, came very deliberately to suffer, not just with us, but for us, in our place. Remember the hymn, Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place, condemned, he stood. The cross was all about Jesus suffering for us so that we wouldn't have to. More about that shortly. The routines of life, that's the first thing. The second thing we see here is the, as the parable develops is uh, the reversal in death. And again, there's two uh, very different scenarios here. First of all, we see uh, as the parable develops uh, uh, this, this picture of Lazarus after he dies. 
And it says in verse 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Now, when beggars like Lazarus died in that culture, no one noticed. You know, no one really cared. Uh, the, the body of someone like Lazarus would not be carried to, to a place of rest with any kind of respect and dignity. There was this, there was this dump just outside the, the city of Jerusalem that was always burning. Uh, and the bodies of people like Lazarus would just be thrown there. That was the reality of, of what was going on in that place at that time. And um, that's what people would expect for Lazarus. But in this parable, Jesus, he, he takes us behind the curtain of this world. He takes us into the spiritual realm. And we see that on death, Lazarus is carried by the angels to Abraham's side in heaven. Now, does that mean that every believer is literally carried by angels to, to heaven when they die? Well, I don't think that's the, the main point here. I don't think you can take that literally. I think that's probably pushing the parable too far. I think the message that we're to grasp here is that when a believer dies, God knows. God cares. And that person may have been the most overlooked person in the world. They may have been a nobody in the eyes of everybody else. But if that is one of God's children, he sees. He carries them. From perhaps a place of great suffering in this world to a place of of great rest for his children. Uh, Psalm 94 and verse 14 says, For sure the Lord will not cast off those that his people be. And so we see Lazarus, the, the beggar. He's not cast off, but he's carried off by the angels uh, to heaven. I read a quote this morning from uh, J.C. Ryle, which I thought was really uh, a beautiful picture. He says uh, of this expression uh, when Abraham's carried to Abraham, when uh, Lazarus is carried to Abraham's side, he says, there's something very comforting in this expression. We know little or nothing of the state of the feelings of the dead. When our last hour comes, we will lie down to die. We shall be like those who journey into an unknown country. But it may satisfy us to know that all who fall asleep in Jesus are in good keeping. They are not houseless, homeless wanderers between the hour of death and the day of resurrection. They are at rest in the midst of friends with all who have had like faith with Abraham. They have no lack of anything. And best of all, Paul tells us, Philippians 1.23, they are with Christ. It's a wonderful, comforting picture uh, for us. Even as this week passed, we have, we have felt that sense of loss of those who have died, but died in Christ. So we have that beautiful picture of Lazarus in, in verse 22 as he's carried off by the angels to that place of rest. And then there's a contrast. There's a stark contrast. Verse 23. Uh, the rich man was also, oh, the rich man also died and was buried. And that in itself is very bleak and stark to, to begin with. Uh, no angels carry the rich man. He may have been carried about uh, all over the place in limousines when he's, when he's been in this world. Uh, he may have had a, a whole lot of people making a fuss of him uh, wherever he was. But when he dies, no fuss, no special transport, he died and he was buried. But that's not the end. Actually, it gets a lot worse for, for the rich man. 
Verse 23. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. See, the rich man's still thinking like a rich man. He thinks he can snap his fingers as the rich man that he was and get Lazarus the nobody, Lazarus the beggar, to jump to attention and serve him. But that's not going to happen, not, not, not ever now. Because the tables have turned and there is this awful reversal that the rich man is now having to, to endure. And we see the, 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 the very clear reversal. Uh, in this world, the rich man, he knew nothing but luxury and comfort. But in hell, he knows nothing but uh, torment with, with no relief. It's a reversal. In this world, Lazarus was outside the rich man's gate. Locked out, away from everything that was good. But now we see Lazarus and he's inside the gate. He's enjoying everything that is good. And the rich man is now locked out of heaven. In that place of misery that that Jesus calls hell. And I think that we have to note here uh, that uh, Jesus in this parable, he, he teaches us that heaven and hell are real places. You know, we hear people uh, talking today about heaven and hell as if they were states of mind or states of experience. And in this world, uh, uh, not places of, of reality. And yet Jesus teaches us very clearly here that, that, that there are these two places, heaven and hell. And on death, we are taken to one of these two places. One commentator, Milne, uh, says only Jesus could speak with this level of authority about the world beyond death because that's where he's come from we don't read here that uh, everyone gets to heaven we don't read here that uh, although they came different routes everybody ends up in the same happy old place no no we we see here that there's a a great contrast here Uh, Lazarus is in heaven and the rich man is in hell and the question I want to ask is is how did this happen How is this? Why is it that Lazarus is in heaven and the rich man is in hell? Is this some kind of uh, Robin Hood story? Is this some kind of uh, story where, you know, economic uh, misdemeanors are corrected? Is this a story uh, where rich people are punished forever because they were rich and poor people are are rewarded forever because they were poor? Well, no, that's that's clearly not what it's teaching because uh, we see Abraham in heaven. And Abraham was very rich but he's in heaven. So how does this work? Well, I think the key to this is in in the name. We were talking to the children about about names. Names are important, and uh, when we see names in the Bible, uh, they're loaded with a whole lot more significance than we perhaps put in them today. And the thing to, to see here in this parable is that the beggar, he has a name. His name is Lazarus. And Lazarus was known by God. His name was known, and the meaning of the name Lazarus is significant also. Lazarus means uh, God has helped. And who does God help? Well, he helps those who know their need. Uh, He helps those who call upon his name. And Lazarus clearly did. 
Lazarus may have lived in uh, the most abject material poverty, but spiritually he had been helped. He had been saved by God. And his name is known by God. But the rich man, he has no name. Do you notice that? We don't know his name. He isn't given a name. Uh, he, he, he's not known by God. He's just a rich man. He hasn't felt his need of God because he's got so much stuff. He hasn't ever cried out to, to, to God for help because he feels no need of help. He's fine, thank you very much. Helps for the poor people. And although the rich man lived in, in material prosperity, uh, spiritually he was poor. Uh, he was lost. You know, if we take the lessons uh, from the parable for ourselves today, uh, I think uh, what we can say is that uh, being saved, getting to heaven, escaping hell, it's not about how rich we are. It's not about how poor we are. It's not about how religious we are. Because remember, Jesus is telling this parable against the religious Pharisees. Getting to heaven, getting to hell. It's not about any of these things. It's not about our credit in terms of economy or in terms of religion. It's about whether or not we know Jesus and whether or not we are known by Jesus. Getting access to heaven, being saved, is about crying out to Jesus for help. So have we done that yet? That's the, that's the key question. Have we done that yet? Have we asked Jesus to save us? Have we asked Jesus to take our, our, our sin away? Have we asked Jesus to be our, our saviour, our Lord, our friend, our king? If we do that, then we'll receive a welcome into heaven. But if we don't do that, when we meet Jesus at the judgment seat, uh, we'll hear these chilling words as we are locked out of heaven. Depart from me. I never knew you. I'm going to stop there. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this parable. Uh, we, we struggle with how stark it is in many ways. Uh, we see how clearly Jesus is teaching about eternal realities. We see that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And Lord, we thank you that the access that we are given to heaven is not through what we earn. It's not through how many good religious works we can rack up. We thank you that the, the access uh, that we need for heaven is simply given to those who are trusting in Christ, those who are known by Christ. We so often uh, go to the the lyric of that hymn, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. And we see Lazarus as one who, who has been helped of God, who has in his need cried out to God for help and who knows rest in heaven. We see the picture of that, the illustration of that that Jesus uh, paints. And then we, we see the contrast of the, the rich man who has everything in the eyes of this world who's gained the whole world and yet has lost his soul. And Lord, we pray that there would be none of us uh, in this building or listening at a distance who would know that eternal reality. We pray that there would be none of us who are uh, hoping that our riches or our reputation is going to get us into heaven because we know that it won't. But we thank you that uh, access to heaven, avoidance of hell, 
is, is given to those who will simply call upon the name of the Lord. We thank you that we can walk out the door of this church today knowing that we have a place in heaven if we simply pray, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. So help us, Lord, we pray, to see our need, to see our sin, and to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus who, who took our sin upon himself on the cross, who laid down his life so that we could have eternal life and, and not perish. Give us eyes to see Jesus, ears to hear the call of Jesus, and faith to take hold of the promise of Christ and to know uh, the first taste in this world of the eternal life, which is the portion of all who believe. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.